Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning to you. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is John Warnock. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at, uh, at Dogwood. I hope that you guys have had a great summer. Our, our family has had an incredible summer, one that we've gotten to do stuff that... Um, that I never thought we'd get to do. At the beginning of the summer, my boys were at camp, and uh, my wife and I and um, her sisters and their husbands, my mother-in-law, and then one of my brother-in-law's mom went with us uh, to Italy. Now, I've gotten to travel the world on mission trips, and so I've gotten to see different places in the world, but I really haven't gotten to travel the world in terms of being on vacation Although I really wouldn't call what we did vacation, it was more touring. We were tired when we got back, but it was fun. We enjoyed getting to see all of the old things that are there, the cathedrals and um, the Colosseum, and it just it was it was a lot of fun. We enjoyed eating a lot of good food. We enjoyed laughing with one another and just having a good time. Well, on or about maybe um, it might have been our fourth or fifth night there, we were in the town of Florence, and we were looking for just the right restaurant. Because see, for me, when I'm, when I'm on vacation, part of vacation is the eating experience. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are that way too. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in Florida. You vacation here in Peachtree City. It is about the eating experience. So we're walking around trying to find just that right restaurant. And so if you've, if you've been to Italy before, you know there's all kinds of good restaurants. You almost can't not find a good one. But we're walking around. We finally come to this place that we think, you know what? There's something about this place got this little outdoor eating area right there on the sidewalk. A little hot that night, so we decided we weren't going to sit outside. But, you know, there's beautiful flowers there all down. So we, we walk in. You have to go down these steps into the restaurant. It's sort, sort of like in a basement cellar area, but there's daylight windows that are coming through at the top, so you can kind of still see out of what's going on there in the city. Uh, as you're walking down the steps, you pass a wall of olive oil and balsamic vinegar, and you're just going, man, this is going to be good. We can't wait to sit down and, and eat this and enjoy this experience together. So we get to our table. There's, uh, there's eight of us, um, and, and the, the restaurant's not very big. There's maybe 10, 12, maybe 15 tables, but I, I think it was more like 10 or 12, and, and it's not very crowded. So we sit down. We're a large group. We're a little loud. There's another group of Americans. I know that because they speak English, and they're loud, like we were. And so I'm also watching the rest of the restaurant, just kind of going, okay, who else is in here with us? And kind of getting the lay of the land. There's a couple of Italians that are eating there as well. So it's like thumbs up, locals are eating here. This has got to be a good place. So menus come out. They're Italian, surprise, surprise. So we're looking at it going, all right, well, we hope we're picking in something good. So we're talking with the waitress, trying to figure out, is what we're ordering going to be good? Because that's what our mind is on about what we're about to eat, right? So we order... And we're talking, laughing, having a good time. And out of the corner of my eye, we see a little commotion, or I see a little commotion starting to happen. Others noticed it as well. You see, one of the other couples that was there, they were an older couple. It was a man and a woman. I assumed they were married. And uh, the man had slumped over, and she was slapping his face trying to get him to wake up. So my wife, being a nurse, scoots out of the bench, and goes over to see if we can help. Now remember, we're in Italy. We don't speak Italian. These are Italians. They don't speak English. So my wife gives the universal sign for are you choking kind of a thing. The dude's not responding. His eyes are glazed over. His wife is like, no, he's not choking. Actually, she didn't say that, but she shook her head no because she couldn't speak English. And it was obvious 
from their table that their table had been cleared. He was not choking. So, Lindsay checks, I think first, if he's breathing, and there's no breathing happening. So she grabs his wrist to see, does he have a pulse? And sure enough, she can't find a pulse in his wrist. So she, she feels up here at his neck, no pulse. And she looks at me and goes, oh my gosh, he's, he's dead. Seriously, no lie, he was dead. He looked like he was in the coffin, dead. And so my wife being calm, being a nurse, lays this man down on the bench. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law Sean and I, we grab a chair because this guy's legs are dangling off the end. We grab a chair to put it underneath his feet so that he can kind of lay flat. And my wife begins chest compressions on this dude. And so she's, she's doing however many times she's supposed to do that. I don't even remember. And she starts to tilt the dude's head back. And here's where I come in. Now, I'm, I am standing over there praying. I'm, I'm watching, praying, cheering on. I'm a germaphobe. And so I said, Lindsay, why don't you let his wife give the breaths? And she's like, okay. So she shows, you know, the wife's sitting right there. She goes, all right, here's what you got to do. You got to breathe in there. I have no idea how she understood it because the people didn't speak English. But the, but the woman was about to lean over. And actually, she was leaning over. She was about to give that puff of breath in the man's mouth. And his eyes pop open. And he takes this big breath in of life. And he sits up. And then the waiter comes by and goes, in his broken English, good, I'll call the ambulance and tell them not to come. To which we respond, you are crazy. you got to get him here. The dude's heart, it had stopped. He needs to go to the hospital. Something is dreadfully wrong. So we convince him not to call and cancel the ambulance. The ambulance gets there. We can see it because the windows are there. They come in, they get the guy, they check him out, and sure enough, they haul him off to the hospital. And so we go and we sit back down. We do enjoy a good meal. But, you know, after the adrenaline of that moment kind of passed and we went back to our hotel room, I began to think about all that I had seen. You know, all right, there, there, were, there were other people in that restaurant that could have helped. You see, there was, a, there was a, a cook who I believe was the owner of the restaurant had come out when all the commotion first started happening. He looked at what was going on Lindsay wasn't doing CPR or anything like that yet. And he turns back around, goes back into the kitchen and starts cooking. We knew this because the door was open. He just went back and started doing whatever he was doing. Totally ignored what was happening. There was another, the American family that was in there. Who I vaguely remember one of them you know, saying, you know what, I sure am glad that you were here as a nurse. You know, I, I knew CPR, but we didn't really, really want to get involved. That, that, we don't, we're not comfortable with doing that. You know, I, I thought about how that seeing that event changed my view of really how precious life is and how quickly it can really get away from us. And I thought about this. I thought about how that moment of CPR, that moment where that guy was brought back to life, I thought about how, what, how it is a great parallel to evangelism in our society today. You see, Lindsay, she could have responded like the other locals, the the other people in there that knew the language but acted as if nothing was happening and just went about their daily business. She could have acted like the people that knew what to do and either didn't want to be bothered with it or felt like somebody else that was better trained ought to do it. She could have said, you know, I've been trained in CPR, but I've never done it on an adult. My wife, she's a nurse, but she works with babies. Because I've never done this on, on an adult and I'm too scared to try it. 
could have said, I don't know how to communicate with these people. I don't have the words for it. She could have said, I'm scared that I'm going to hurt him, break his ribs. She could have said, John, you've also been trained in CPR. Why don't you go do it instead? Glad she didn't do that. But instead, she took responsibility and she helped save that man's life. She realized that if she didn't do something, that more than likely that man's life was over. I'm telling you, he was dead. And that the wife's life forever was going to be changed. But she stepped in and she helped to bring life back to that man. And at the risk of sounding overdramatic, we are living in a world where people all around us need life. They need the life that only comes through Jesus Christ. And if you are a follower of Christ, guess what? You know CPR then. And you are responsible. And I am responsible for bringing that life to other people. You and I have a choice to make. We can sit idly by because we're too busy doing other things. Or we can sit by and say we're scared, we don't know what to say. We can sit by and say we don't want to hurt somebody's feelings so we're not going to share Christ with them. Or we can say... It's somebody else's job to do it that has the gift of evangelism. So I'll just pray. Or we can get in the game. I and you can take evangelism, CPR, around the world. And we've been in a series this month called Freedom. Looking at how we can be free from guilt and shame. And let me recap for you where we've been so far this month. In week one, we looked at the story of the prodigal son. And we learned that God loves us tremendously. That He is waiting for people just to turn back to Him. Because He has created a way for us to be reconciled. And the moment we turn towards Him, that He runs to embraces us and welcomes us back into His family. And He throws an incredible party. You remember that? In week two, David Hodge Uh, helped us to see that we are stronger than we think we are. Why? Because Christ lives in us. And last week, Pastor Jay Vineyard helped us to see that being in a right relationship with other people helps us to have freedom. He went through Colossians chapter 3 about how we are to treat one another and be unified with one another and how how those actions and that forgiveness brings Freedom. Well, this week we conclude this series on freedoms and we're looking at how you and I as followers of Christ are rescued to help rescue other people. We're going to see, hopefully, that our freedom isn't just for us. It's for others. It's meant to be shared. It's meant to be given away. We are called to use our gifts, our stories, our wisdom, our pain, and our God-given talents to help other people become free. Here's how we're going to do that. We're going to look at some foundations of evangelism, and then we're going to look at how to evangelize. So will you pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your love for us. We acknowledge that on our own, we are sunk. We are helpless. And our salvation is just because of Your grace, Your goodness, and Your love for people. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We don't do anything to earn it. God, I thank You for this series on freedom and what it means to be free from guilt and shame. 
God, now today as we look at how You are calling us to be rescuers, help us to know, God, that we don't rescue others to perform for You. We rescue others because You are changing us to be more like You. You are changing us to help us to have Your heart for people. So God, make that so in our lives. Give us ears today to hear from You. And let us not leave this building unchanged. It is in Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Now when I say the word evangelism, what do you think about? What comes to mind when I say that word? Do you think of the crazy folks sometimes that you might see in downtown Atlanta that are yelling and screaming at people and holding all kinds of not-so-nice signs? Is that what you think of? Do you think about carrying around little tracks that have little comic strips in them that, that have the, the gospel presentation? Is that what you think about when you think about evangelism? Does it make you break into a cold sweat, maybe? And you start going, oh my goodness, I feel guilty because I'm a follower of Christ and I know evangelism is important, but I just don't make it a priority in my life. Or maybe you get excited about it. But what if we changed how we thought about evangelism? What if we looked at evangelism as more of this? More as bringing freedom to people. Rescuing people. In other words, as we share Christ with people, which is evangelism, that we are bringing freedom to our kids as we help them to know what it means to become a follower of Christ. To our neighbors. We're helping them to become free from guilt and shame. From for our friends, as they begin to know who Christ is, what if we started to realize that we're helping them to be rescued? What if you and I, when we talked about evangelism, what if, what if we started praying for those that were far from God? And we prayed that God would soften their hearts to the message of the good news of the Gospel. And what if we also prayed for ourselves and said, God, soften my heart to help me have Your heart for other people. You see, I really think evangelism starts with us making sure that we have the right heart. God's heart for other people. So we're going to lay this foundation that I hope and pray will help us to see why evangelism is important. But I want to say this to you. The point of this message today is to not heap guilt on you. Remember, we're in a series called Freedom. It would be silly for me to get up here and make you feel guilty for not sharing your faith. But I do believe that if you and I, as followers of Christ that call Dogwood Church our church home, that if we really understood and had the heart of evangelism, that our world would be a different place. I'm not here to beat you up, but I am here to call each one of us to get off the seats and get in the game and to help people become free. So here's our foundation. The first part of our foundation is this. We have to remember whose we are. You as a follower of Christ, you've got to know who you are. This foundation really has two pieces to it. The first piece to this foundation is this. You are a child of God. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a child of God. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We could spend really a whole sermon series on what it means to be a child of God. But very quickly... Let's remember a few things. Becoming or being a child of God means that you are a part of God's family. When we realize that God is our spiritual Father, we should realize that there's power in that. Remember a few weeks ago when we looked at the story of the prodigal son and when he returned home, 
What did the father do? The father embraced him. He put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and gave him a robe. What was he doing? He was welcoming him back into the family, saying, you know what, son? I'm still your dad. I know, I know you pushed me away and said, I wish you were dead, but I'm still your dad. You're in the family. There's power in that. You know, when my family first moved to Peachtree City, I was in fifth grade. It was a long time ago. And uh, we lived um, in a section of town where there was, there was woods back behind our house. And so my dad hired me and a friend of mine to go out into these woods and rake pine straw. I'm sure probably we shouldn't have done that, but I was a kid and doing what my dad asked me to do, and he was paying us. It was all good. So my friend and I, we were out there. We were raking pine straw. We were putting it in these trash bags, carrying it home. We were spreading this pine island. We, we did that all afternoon. One of our last trips out into the woods as we're raking, raking pine straw, I remember these two older teenagers, certainly in high school, they were way older than us, and they started picking on us, and they started giving us a hard time. Me and my friend, I remember holding the rake tightly, thinking, if these guys come at us, I may go down, but I'm going to at least swing and get one of them for a little bit. Seriously, I was, I was, I was ready. And then I remember, off in the distance, the trail, I could see the trail. My dad was walking down the trail. I have no idea why, what brought him down the trail that day. The guys had their back to my dad, so they couldn't see what was happening, but if they were paying attention, they could see that I let go of the tight grip that I had on my rake and just was kind of holding it gently. Why? Because my dad was coming near. I didn't have to worry about these two yahoos anymore. And as, he, as my dad got closer, he realized that something was wrong because he heard what was being said by these high school students to these fifth grade kids. And I wish to this day I could remember what my dad actually said. The way I remember it, which I'm sure is not exactly what he said, I think he went up behind him and just went, Boo! Because when those guys turned around and saw that it was my dad, the color drained from them. They didn't say anything and they ran like little schoolgirls away from my dad. Now, did they run from me and my friend? No. They ran because my dad was near. Listen, followers of Christ, you got to know this. As a follower of Christ, your heavenly Father is near you. He is there with you. That doesn't mean that all of your problems are going to run away like little schoolgirls, but it does mean this. It means that He is with you and you have power to deal with them. You have to remember you're a child of God. The second part of that foundation is this. As followers of Christ, you are a servant of Jesus Christ. All throughout the New Testament, all throughout the New Testament, it calls us servants of Christ. Paul refers to himself as a servant of Christ. In Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing, says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Then later on in 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing and he says, listen, listen, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. What was that price? The price was Jesus dying on the cross, His blood shed, His body broken. For you, a ransom was paid. What does it mean? What does it mean to be a servant? Well, it means this. When we become followers of Christ by grace through faith, it means that God becomes our boss, our leader. The Bible word for that is our Lord. And that we do what He asks. See, becoming a follower of Christ means this. It means that you've recognized that you weren't a follower of Christ and you're aligning yourself back up under God's control. 
There's a second part to our foundation. It's this. This. We have to recognize what we believe. Recognize what we believe. There's a definition of the gospel that's going to come on the screen. I want us to read it together. It's a little long. We might pause in the wrong spot as we're reading it, but we're going to read it together anyway. It says this. Read it with me. Ready? The gospel is the good news that the that the just and gracious God of the universe looked upon hopelessly sinful people and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, to bear His wrath against sin on the cross and to show His power over sin in the resurrection so that all who have faith in Him will be reconciled to God forever. Leave that on the screen for just a second. Listen, followers of Christ, we have to recognize what it is we believe about sharing the gospel with people. Let me clue you in on something. When you're sharing Christ with people, you don't have to win every argument about why people don't believe in the Bible. Let me, let me boil it down even simpler. You don't have to win the evolution debate to share Christ. You know what I'm saying? Those are things that we can talk about. Those are things that in, as, as Christians we can, we, can, we can even maybe differ on. But as we share Christ, you know what we're really doing? This. We're helping people to be free, understanding who Jesus is, not the other stuff. I'm not saying it's not important to know the other stuff, but what I'm saying is is that the crux of when you're sharing Christ is you're wanting people to know Jesus. Got it? Yes? The third part of our foundation is this. We have to understand what God has called us to do. We have to understand what God has called us you and I to do as followers of Christ. Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, Paul is writing and says that the Son was revealed to Him so that He might preach the good news. Listen, you and I, we don't become followers of Christ to enjoy a great show on Sunday morning. We don't. We don't become followers of Christ so that we consume ministry programming at a church for our family and our kids. It's not the reason why we become followers of Christ. We don't become followers of Christ so we can enjoy the pleasures of this world and then at night whip out the little get-out-of-jail-free card with God and say, Lord, forgive me. Not why we become followers of Christ. We become followers of Christ to exalt Him, which means to worship Him, and to tell others about Him so that they too can be free. You see, God threw a welcome home party for you when you became a follower of Christ, didn't He? Yes. Scripture says He, he celebrated that. There are more welcome home parties to plan for and to prepare for and for you and I to attend. So this should lead you to the question, yes, but how? I get it. Evangelism is important. Sharing Christ is important. I get it. But how do we do that? Well, here at Dogwood, we really have a very, very simple strategy to help you do this. called investing in people and inviting people to Christ. You invest in people and you invite them to Christ and to Dogwood. So let's look at investing first so that we can understand that. What does it mean to invest in people? Investing simply means this, that we seek to build friendships with people. We sometimes like to overthink this and make it hard, when in reality this should be very simple and natural for us. But there is an enemy out there who wants us to be like the people in the restaurant when the man's heart stopped beating. Too busy, too scared, Believing that it's somebody else's job. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22 says this, To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things 
to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. What does this mean? Does it mean that we compromise who we are and what we believe? No, it doesn't. It simply means this. It means that you find common ground with people. You do what you like to do. You bring them along with you. People that are far from God, you bring them along with you to the things that you like to do, and then you enter into natural, everyday conversations with them about who Jesus is. Do you like to backpack? Do you like to bike? Do you like to race cars? Do you like to scrapbook? Do you like to exercise? Do you like to garden? Do you like music? Do you like reading? Do you like playing games? Do you like going to movies? Do you like line dancing? Listen, we can come up with a list that's miles and miles long. Find those things that you like, that you enjoy, and involve other people that don't know Jesus. Invest in their lives. Build friendships with them. And as you're getting to know them, you do the next step which is you invite them to Jesus, to a relationship with Him, where you invite them to come to Dogwood. Let's look at inviting. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, Paul is writing to a student, and he says, work at bringing others to Christ. Work at it. Work. He's saying to us, we've got to be intentional. It doesn't automatically happen. It's going to be hard. It's going to require some effort. Because there is an enemy out there trying to destroy the work that God is doing. So we have to work on it. Well, who are we to invite? Everyone we know. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 23. I want to read this short parable to you. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16. Jesus is speaking and He he says this story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited. Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town And bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in, so that my house will be full. Listen, this is a a parable teaching us a number of things about, about God's kingdom. But one of the things it is teaching us is that it's open for everybody. We are to be inviting everybody, our family, co-workers, neighbors, where you live, work, and play, where you spend time. Now listen, for some of you, you may be like me and going, well, I don't have a lot of room in my life for people that are far from God. Okay, I work here at Dogwood, right? Yes? So I work over in those offices where I'm surrounded by followers of Christ. We have an incredible staff here. And they all love Jesus. My family, we're followers of Christ. My extended family, we're followers of Christ. I don't have a lot of like, you know, work associates that I needed to be sharing the gospel to. So for me, I had to figure out, okay, how else can I do this? Where else can I get to know people? Well, I didn't go out and just say, well, I'm going to create something else to do. I found something I would have already done anyway. You see, my youngest son likes to play baseball. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to be involved as his coach because I'd have done that anyway. Or been a parent that helped. I'd have done that anyway. And while I'm doing it, 
not only am I going to be there spending time with my son, but I'm going to use it as an opportunity to build relationships with people and invite them, Dogwood, and invite them to Christ. Listen, you don't have to make it hard. Go do the stuff you like to do. Go do the stuff you'd have done anyway. Go play golf if that's what you like to do. But play with people who don't know Christ. Don't cuss when you hit the ball bad. All right? Now, where are we to do this? Acts 1.8 gives us another clue. It says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the whole world. God's telling us here, listen, we have a responsibility everywhere. Everywhere we go and all the way around the world. You and I, Dogwood Church, we have the responsibility to share Christ. I want to give you a quick example of how to lead someone to Christ. Let's say, let's say that you and a friend, you're at a coffee shop. And you're talking with them. And they start sharing with you about how they're scared. And they're worried about all of the events that are going on right now. You know what? The world's a crazy place, isn't it, right now? There's all kinds of stuff going on in Ukraine that's creating tension now between Russia and the United States again. There's stuff going on in Israel and the Gaza Strip. And, and the Palestines are fighting each other. And it's just crazy. And, and, and it causes a lot of people fear. And your friend then tells you, you know what? I'm just scared at night. Because I don't know what's going on. I'm worried about what's going on. Well, if you had a story similar to mine, you could say something like this. You know what? There was a time in my life when I worried all the time. And I was scared about all kinds of things that were beyond my control. But you know what? My life is different now. I, I, I still am concerned about those things. And those, those things still pop on my radar screen. But you know what? I, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ now. And He helps me to not worry about those things. He helps me to not be afraid of those things. Can I share with you about how you can know Jesus? Now listen, you've, 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 you've spent time building a relationship with this person for a little while in this story, right? How many of you think that they're going to say no? Anybody? Most of them are going to go, even if they think you're a nut, they're going to go, okay, I'll hear you out. Because you bought coffee for them, whatever. So you whip out your iPad, Okay. Your iPhone, because you're going, I can't remember everything that I'm supposed to do or say. Listen, there's an incredible app that's been created that you can download right now called Share Your Faith. Download it. It's a great one. Here's what you can do. It's coming up on the screen. You whip out your iPad, your iPhone, you open it up, and you say, you know what? God wants a relationship with us. Check this out. If you don't know what to say, you put your finger on relationship, and you simply push up. Look at that. God loves you. God loves us, and He wants to have a relationship with Him. If you don't remember the verses that go along, you see the little word that says verse down there? You click that. Boom. Verses come up. You read that to them. It's easy, yes? You read them the verse. You swipe your finger over to the left. It changes again. It says, but, but there's separation. Again, you just read it. However, we've chosen to go our own independent way. Our sins have caused separation between us and God. Now, if I was really doing this in a coffee shop with my friend, I would always hit the verse button. We're not to save time today. But there's a separation between us and God. You swipe over again, and it says this. You push up. It says good works at the bottom. Our screen's going to catch up with us in a second. You push up. It says most of us are aware that this separation, and we try to do good works to get right with God. It's going to happen in just a moment, I promise. It will say good works up there. On your iPad, it will work. You You swipe your finger over again, but you say those good works, all of those things that we try to do to end up connecting with God, they fall short. They fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says we've all sinned. And then you swipe over again. 
It says that falling short, the separation leads to death. Well, what is death? Death, the Bible says, it's the penalty for our sin. And it's spiritual separation from God. You swipe over again. And it says this, there's a bridge. But God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. When Christ died, He provided a bridge to help us get connected to God. Swipe over again. When Jesus did that, He paid the price for us. He died on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty so that we didn't have to. He died so that you and I didn't have to. You swipe over again. But you have to receive Christ. Not enough just to know it. It says, read it right here. To cross over the bridge, we need to receive Christ by asking Him to forgive us and to come into our lives. Now what this coming into our life means, it means you're asking Him to be your boss, your leader. Swipe over again. Does this make sense to you? A very simple question. They're going to say yes or no. If they say no, you just go back to the verses. You go through with them again. If they say yes, then you swipe to the next screen. Based on this diagram, where are you? They're going to do one of two things. They're either going to say, I'm over there with God already. I'm a follower of Christ. Or they're going to say, I'm over on the side with a little dude that's circled. I don't know him yet. And then you simply swipe your finger and you ask the next question. Would you like to receive Christ and cross over to God? They're going to say yes or no. They say no, say it's okay. Give them this information. Let them think about it later on. If they say yes, it gives you a sample prayer then. Lord Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me for all I've done wrong. Please come into my life and begin to lead me. I pray this as sincerely as I know how. Now, I do want to give a little asterisk here. This is not a magic prayer. These words are not magic words. Sometimes people assume if they just say these words, everything's done. God's concerned about what's going on inside of somebody's heart and life. So you want to make it abundantly clear. It's not just saying these words, but it's meaning the words that you're saying. Does that make sense? Listen, download the app. It's easy. It's free. We didn't create it, but uh, it is a good app nonetheless. But listen, Dogwood Church, there are lots of people. There are lots of people within a very short drive. Thousands of people within a very short drive of this campus that need you and I to start doing spiritual CPR. They need you and I to start sharing Christ with them. They need you and I to get up out of our seats and go, you know what? There's someone over there that's dead, that's dying. They need freedom. They need rescuing. And you and I have a responsibility to go to them and share Christ. Because think about it for just a second, Dogwood Church. Do you realize that on this Sunday, there will be about a thousand of us gathered. And if each one of us is a thousand of us say, you know what? I'll do that with one person this year. I'll teach them. I'll train them on what it means to follow Christ. And then I'm going to encourage them to also share Christ. Do you realize that within a year, within a year, a thousand of us would lead another thousand to Christ, meaning that there's 2,000 people that now know Jesus and that are free. Isn't that awesome? But if you think about it and you go, hey, guess what? I've discipled that person and they're going to do it again the next year. Those 2,000 people turn into four. And then in another year, those 4,000 people turn into eight. And then another year, those 8,000 people. In four years, there's 16,000 people that know Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Would that not be awesome? Would our place, would, our, would, our, would, would Fayette, Coweta, South Fulton, would it look different? Absolutely it would. You think about our schools. Our schools would look different. Our politics would look different. This area would look different, but you and I have a choice. We can get up and go do the CPR. We can get up and go share Christ. Or we can stop. And we can ignore them. 
And we can pretend they, they're not there. And we can say we're too busy. And we can choose to not help people be rescued. My prayer for us as a church is that you would join us as a staff. That you would join us and say, you know what? I'm going to invest in people and I'm going to invite them to Christ. And that this place would look different a year from now. And that four years from now, our ministry area would look different. And because of that, our world would look different. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank You that You have rescued us. I thank You that You have rescued us so that we could worship You, we could love You, but also, God, so that we could help bring freedom to other people. And so, Father, I pray, I pray for this church family. I pray that You would help us to have boldness to share Christ with people. Help us to invest our lives in other people. And then give us the power to invite them to You. Help us to not be scared of that. Lord, I pray that You would help us to remember the foundations. We, we belong to You. We're in Your family. We're Your servants, God. Help us to remember the Gospel message, what it really means. And to know that You've called us to do just that. Lord, make that a reality for this church family. Now listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed for a moment, in a room this size with people in it, there's people here that are not yet followers of Christ. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been a part of this church and attended here for a long time. But you're, you realized as we went through that bridge illustration on the screen, you realized that you're not yet a follower of Christ. Well, this morning you can change that. This morning you can choose to follow God and make Him your leader and forgiver. Tell Him something like this in your own words. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask You to come into my life to be my leader and my forgiver. God, I'm giving you control of who I am. And I'm putting my faith and trust in you and you alone. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer, again, remember, it's not a magic, magic word, magic formula thing. But if you prayed that prayer or something like it, would you let us know this church exists to help you grow in your relationship with Christ? On the back of that communication card that we spoke of earlier in the service, there's a box that you can check that says, Today I'm choosing to follow Christ, or Today I'm becoming a follower of Jesus. Check that box. And then you can do one of two things with it. At the end of our service, you can take it to the front left-hand side of this auditorium. There'll be some people there that will celebrate with you, not in an embarrassing way, but they will give you some incredible material that will help you to grow in your walk with Christ. If you don't, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then at the very least, take that card and turn it into the offering basket in just a few moments. And then someone on our staff will get in contact with you this week we will also put something in the mail to you this week so that you'll have those materials and we will help you on that journey. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Help us to continue to worship you. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.